Hey everybody, this is Father John Ricardo from Acts 29, and in the middle of all the craziness that's going on right now, it seems uh, from our perspective as a team that it's worth using these days to reflect on the scriptures. So we're going to do a special podcast simply entitled, Do Not Be Afraid, God's Word in Uncertain Times. And we'll try to post something every day, usually reflecting on the scriptures, so we can listen in on what God is trying to say to us. In these days of uncertainty and chaos, lots of people are hungering for something certain to hang on to. Not much is clear and no one seems to have the answers or the kinds of answers that most of us want. With masses being suspended all across the country and more and more dioceses each day, it seems more and more people are longing for God's word, a steady light for our feet. But be sure of this, people of God, the world and the church as well as you and me and all those that we love, are firmly in God's hands. And he's a good father and a very faithful Lord. So let's all together press into his word in these days like never before. Like all of you, I am trying to find, I don't know, my balance, I guess, in the midst of all that's going on. feels a little bit like getting off a ship after seven days or so, and trying to find my sea legs, except I haven't found my sea legs yet. Everything just seems so wobbly. In fact, I was talking to somebody earlier this afternoon, and it, it almost felt like, well, like grief, actually. When I lost loved ones and friends after they died, I just felt like I didn't have a whole lot of energy. It wasn't much interest in doing a whole lot of anything. And it kind of feels like that for me right now. Maybe it does for you too. Leaning on Jesus and relying on him to be sure, but trying to figure out what to do with these days. The scriptures this past weekend hit me in three ways that I wanted to share with you. The first is I was simply reminded of a comment that I had read some years ago now by a a Jesuit priest who's long since gone named Father Walter Chiswick. In fact, I think his cause is up for canonization, or at least it's begun. He found himself imprisoned in a Soviet prison camp where he went through extraordinary torture. I think he actually renounced his faith at one point and then pledged his faith again and then continued to experience the suffering that he did there. Anyway, Chiswick made the comment in his book that he never really appreciated the Mass until he wasn't allowed to celebrate it. That line came back to mind this past weekend as tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of Catholics around the country and around the world, millions in fact, weren't able to receive the extraordinary gift that is the Eucharist. Kind of made me think, how many times have we approached the Eucharist just taking it for granted, presuming either that there'll always be a priest or presuming that I always have access to the Lord hidden under the appearance of bread. Now all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation much like Father Chiswick did in that Soviet prison camp. We don't have access to the Lord. And for many of us, we don't know how long that's going to last. It's almost like an extended Holy Saturday when the tabernacles are empty and there's no Eucharist for anybody unless you're on your deathbed. The second thing that came to mind is, like many of you, I'm sure, I'm trying to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to us? And I don't claim to have a a telephone to God, and I'm not sure he's saying this to us. Maybe he's just saying it to me, but I'll, I'll share with you what he's saying to me. 
The passage that keeps coming to mind is the passage in the book of Exodus, which we heard from in the first reading on Sunday. But it wasn't the passage we heard there, Exodus 17. It was actually an earlier passage in Exodus chapter 12. You might remember Exodus is the image, the type, that is the ultimate foreshadowing of what it is that Jesus has come to do, just as the Israelites were rescued from slavery to Pharaoh. So we have been rescued from slavery to Satan and to sin, to death, to these powers that we can't compete against, just like the the waters of the Red Sea uh, were the means by which the Egyptian army drowned, so the waters of baptism are the means by which uh, our sins drowned. Just as the Lord fed the Israelites with manna in the desert, so the Lord feeds us in this journey uh, with the Eucharist, which is the fulfillment of the manna. Anyways, Exodus chapter 12 is the instructions that God gives to Moses for the celebration of the Passover, the great feast which uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters celebrate, which even now when they celebrate, they understand themselves to be somehow coming out of slavery in Egypt. It's not just the recalling of something, it's actually becoming present again. But in Exodus 12, 12, I believe it is, the Lord says to Moses that he is going to go throughout the land of Egypt, executing judgment on the gods, or on their gods, in other words, on their idols. In fact, as it's often been noted, the plagues that afflict the Egyptians in the book of Exodus, those are all directed towards idols, which the Egyptians worshipped, and the plagues were a way for God to manifest that, no, these are not in fact gods. Uh, These are just idols, and they cannot save you, and they have no power. And so as the Lord's brought that passage to mind, I keep thinking he's doing something similar, or it seems like he's doing something similar with us. I, I think he's certainly doing something similar with me. He's executing judgment on our idols. Now, lest you think you don't have any idols in your life, and the ancients were kind of wacko, uh, let me read this little quote from Timothy Keller in a book called Counterfeit Gods, where Keller writes, what's an idol? And he says, it's anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything you seek to give you what only God can give you. If anything becomes more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning in life, and identity, then it's an idol. I don't know about you, but I read passages like that and I suddenly realize maybe the ancients weren't so stupid and I'm so smart, I've got the same problem that they did. There's lots of things in my life that have either been or continue to threaten at least to be idols in my life and Three especially seem to be getting unmasked right now, given all that's going on with this coronavirus. The first is sports. I can't tell you how many men I know, not just men, women too, who simply don't know what to do with all their time right now. There's nothing to watch on ESPN. There's no college basketball. March Madness is done. There's no spring training. There might not be Uh, Any spring training for a long time. There may not be a major league baseball season until the middle of May. The NHL is canceled. The NBA is suspended. There's nothing to watch for so many people. And for so many people, sports has become an idol. It's where they find meaning 
in life. It's something that they look to give them what only God can give them. That's not to say sports aren't great. Sports are a wonderful diversion, but they can't deliver what we want them to deliver if we're looking for them to give us anything more than a diversion. The second idol is wealth. Uh, Even as I record this, the market's down uh, another 3,000 points. Who knows what it'll be tomorrow. For those of us who falsely put our hope in money and what money can buy, God is revealing that that is no true source of security. And the third idol that seems to be getting unmasked is this really naive, actually proud, arrogant way of thinking that the human race is just on this constant, steady stream of progress. And that we're always just going to keep getting better. And no matter what the problem is, we can figure it out. I've heard a number of people just say, you know what, this is just what we do. We'll put our heads to this, we'll come through this adversity, and we'll come out on the other side, and we'll be fine. Well, maybe, and maybe not. I mean, who, who knows that, right? I mean, people were probably saying that during the bubonic plague, too, and they didn't come out fine, at least those that lost their lives. Now, please, God, this will blow over, and there'll be a minimal loss of life, but The idea that somehow we have the capacity to fix ourselves is just being unmasked in rapid succession as hour after hour we make greater and greater decisions against this invisible enemy, as it's being called by so many. That's that's actually what Jesus with the Samaritan woman is is trying to do. He's trying to identify her idol. (laughs) Remember that passage in the gospel that we heard this Sunday where Um, the Lord's having a conversation with the woman at the well and she kind of taunts him like, sir, this well is deep. You don't have a bucket. Where are you going to get this living water that you boast of? And then he talks about how uh, the living water that he gives, someone will never thirst for again after they've received. And she looks at him and says, sir, give me this living water always. I don't have to come back to this well. And then in what seems like the biggest non sequitur of all time, Jesus answers that by saying, go call your husband. And you're like, what the world does that have to do with anything? But we come to find out in the dialogue that takes place between Jesus and the woman, the woman's been married five times, and she's living with another man. And what the Lord is revealing is the obstacle for this woman to receive the living water is her idol of men, whether she's trying to use them to find self-worth or pleasure or whatever it might be. And as she acknowledges that, suddenly she opens herself up to the place where she can receive the living water that Jesus wants to give her and all of us, quite frankly. And so he's doing with us. He's encouraging us to identify our idols and to name them. So the third thing with all this is, what is it that you and I can be doing right now? What should we be doing in response to all that's happening? Aside from the obvious, like praying for those who are suffering right now with this virus Uh, especially the elderly and those who are most in need, praying for uh, all those who are trying to find a vaccine, praying for those in positions of leadership, that they'll be able to to lead in such a way as to calm the panic and the fear, which is uh, so rampant right now. Aside from those obvious things, what, what might we be able to do? Well, three things come to mind. The first is, as I was just mentioning, um, ask Jesus, Lord, help me to identify the idols in my life. 
and then repent for them and acknowledge that the only sure hope of our salvation, the only one who can satisfy the deepest desires of our heart, is God. Which doesn't mean we're supposed to be praying all day long, but it means that if God's not first in my life, if if I'm putting anything ahead of him or anyone ahead of them, then my life is necessarily out of whack. And this time right now is an opportunity to put it back in whack, I guess you'd say. The second thing that comes to mind is uh, you and I right now have an opportunity to make reparation for others. I'm struck by how few people are even mentioning God in the midst of all that's happening. But baptism did something spectacular with you and me. Baptism gave us all access to God. This is one of the points of um, calling ourselves priests by baptism. Those of us who are ordained priests are priests of a different kind. But before I was this kind of priest, uh, a ministerial priest, I was a priest by baptism. And, And what priests do, one of the most important things they do is they go in front of God on behalf of others. And that's something that all of us can do because of the gift of baptism. And so I'm reminded of the prayer that the angel taught the children of Fatima, uh, the prayer that goes, uh, my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. And I ask forgiveness for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. One of the things that I find myself being pulled to right now is just to pray that prayer and to stand uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament or to kneel in front of the Blessed Sacrament or as I'm praying the rosary or whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just to make little acts of reparation for those who aren't turning to God right now, who aren't using this as an opportunity to repent. So we can do that on their behalf. And then the third thing that comes to mind is um, God's giving us as disciples right now an amazing opportunity to be witnesses, witnesses of joy, witnesses of hope, the hope that only comes from what it is that God has done from us, the hope that comes from knowing that God is a good father that out of love for us, he sent his son, that I don't know whether or not the whole world's going to spin off the rails here or whether or not this is going to blow over. Nobody knows that. What I do know is I don't have to be anxious because the worst thing that can happen to me, um, death, only brings me home. And so I don't have to be afraid. And for all those around us who are so fearful right now, this is an amazing opportunity for us not to be naive, not to be Pollyannish, not to be foolish, simply to point them to Jesus and to have a ready explanation for why it is that in the midst of trials and uncertainty and unrest and the demolishment of the idols that we have in our lives, all the uh, the misfortunes that are happening economically, my life can't get shaken because my life's not rooted in any of those things. It's simply rooted in God. And the best is way up ahead for those of us who believe in God. Because we know the ending, and the rightful king will come back, and he'll put it all back together, as only he can. So let's thank the Lord for these days in which he's chosen us to live in. Let's uh, do our best to truly and sincerely repent of the idols that we have in our lives. Uh, Let's stand in the gap on behalf of those who can benefit from our prayers. Uh, And let's strive to be a witness of joy and of hope. Be not afraid. Remember, God is with you. You were born for this. 